This is Mountaintop History, a podcast produced by the Thomas Jefferson Foundation at Monticello. Mountaintop History brings forward meaningful stories from this historic home and plantation, from the past and from the present. My name is Kyle Chattleton. And I'm Olivia Brown. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll learn something new. The lives of Jupiter Evans and Thomas Jefferson paralleled each other in numerous ways. Both, for example, were born in 1743 at the Shadwell Plantation in Central Virginia. But the circumstances of their births and the colors of their skin would dramatically affect the course of their lives. Specifically, Jupiter Evans was enslaved by Thomas Jefferson. I met with Brandon Dillard of the Thomas Jefferson Foundation to discuss Jupiter Evans' story. So, Brandon, thank you so much uh, for being here with us today. Uh, could you just give us uh, give us your name and, and your title here at Monticello at the Thomas Jefferson Foundation? Sure. My name is Brandon Dillard, and I'm the manager of Historic Interpretation in the Education and Visitor Programs Department. And uh, already, uh, Brandon, I'm going to ask you uh, my first question because it has to do with our subject matter today. Uh, Jupiter, Jupiter Evans, Evans... Uh, names can be very complicated when it comes to members of the enslaved African-American community at Monticello. And so if you could, um, perhaps uh, give us a start of who we are going to be referring to and, and how it gets so complicated when it, when it gets to names. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is one of the individuals whose names is a little tricky. Uh, Jupiter was born at Shadwell the same year as Thomas Jefferson. And his last name may have been Evans. Uh, we know that his son, his name was recorded as Philip Evans. And we know that subsequent generations of the family would carry the surname Evans. And so when we are making decisions about how to record people's names in history and how to present those to the public at Monticello, we try to rely on what we believe someone would have used as their name in their life themselves. And that's really challenging when you talk about people who were enslaved, because throughout Jefferson's records, though he kept many, he often referred to enslaved people by nicknames, diminutives, and first names only. Unlike many slaveholders, Jefferson would record surnames, and many just didn't do that at all. And when we look at this closely, we begin to see the ways in which slavery itself and the power dynamic involved is reified by the use of names. So for someone like Jupiter, whose last name may have been Evans, I don't know if he referred to himself as Jupiter Evans or not, but I do know that his son was Philip Evans. And I do know that when I've had this conversation with members of the descendant community today, they often refer to him as Jupiter Evans. And as such, I will choose to call him Jupiter Evans, but with always that qualifier that it may have been Evans. It's a, it's a story that lends itself a lot to understanding the realities of life for people 200 years ago and the ways that their lives were dictated by the happenstances of their birth and the colors of their skins. You know, Evans and Jefferson, these two men, they're born again, same year, same plantation, and their lives are inextricably bound for more than half a century, for 50 years. And throughout their lives, they were undoubtedly very close in terms of proximity. 
And we don't actually know what that means in terms of how they felt about one another. But as children, there's every possibility that they played together. This was not uncommon for the children of enslavers and those they enslaved. And yet, when they become adults, that relationship, it's irrevocably changed for all time when Jupiter becomes Thomas's property. And so what that means for the rest of Jupiter Evans' life is that everything in his life is confined by the constructs of slavery. What is most telling about Jupiter Evans' life and about so many of the individuals who we know who were enslaved at Monticello is that by each action that we have recorded, we can see the ways in which they demonstrate the lie of slavery. That by their actions and by their agency within the confines of the system, they constantly reaffirm their humanity. And Jupiter Evans is someone whose story does this time and time again. With that in mind, Brandon, um, are there moments in Jupiter Evans' stories that, 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 that we can share with visitors today, moments in his life that had an impact on uh, his well-being or, or his uh, life here at Monticello or elsewhere or perhaps his relationship with Thomas Jefferson? Yeah, I, I think that when you look through the details of Evans' life as they are recorded, uh, some of the things that parallel Thomas Jefferson's life, uh, again, fit into that, that story and that narrative. So we know that Evans is born the same year as Jefferson, they grow up on the same plantation. There's every possibility that he met his future wife, Susan, whose name is often recorded as Suck, uh, on the same plantation that was owned by Thomas Jefferson's future father-in-law, which means that Jefferson's wife, Martha Wales Skelton Jefferson, and Susan later Evans lived at the same place. And of course, there are individual stories throughout Evans' life. Uh, he becomes the lead hostler, meaning he's in charge of the stables at Monticello. And there is a recorded story about him uh, defying one of Jefferson's explicit orders. And this is unusual in the records of people who were enslaved uh, as something that is uh, dem demonstrative of Evans' own perspectives. And what happened is Jefferson sends down a very young man uh, to fetch a horse from the stables. And Evans tells this very young man who he calls a boy, he, he sends him back. And the two go back and forth, and Jefferson continues to send this, uh, this same young man, this child, down. And finally, uh, Evans has denied it enough that Jefferson himself comes down and asks what he's doing. And Evans is recorded as re responding, if you want your horses ridden around by boys, then I'll not be able to care for them in the same way. He gave basically, that's a paraphrase of what he says, but he basically says no, right? That this is not the responsible way to care for these very important animals who I spend all my time with. And when that's written later, it's described as Jefferson was furious. Uh, and yet, in this, uh, in this matter, it does seem that Evans is the one who wins the day. Now, of course, this is one specific, very small instance. And throughout the realities of slavery for this man's life, there probably are not many times when he was able to defy the man who held his family and he in bondage. But it does show that he cared deeply about the work that he was tasked with doing, and that's another insight into people whose lives were lived in bondage, is that despite the realities of that, they often found ways to persevere, to resist, 
in the very labor that they did. And for Evans, this would be in caring for the animals who were in his charge. And while in many ways we see white individuals like Jefferson actively seeking to impose their values uh, and will on uh, Jupiter Evans and others, uh, we also find in his story moments where he is choosing to draw upon parts of African and African-American culture. Um, and, of course, this relates to the story of Jupiter Evans's passing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the ways that we find insight into culture here at Monticello is what we can read between the lines in people's histories. And Evans is one such history. We know that when he's 56 years old, he, he comes down with an unknown illness. And I think it's important to consider the context of illness at the time. You know, the, the dominant recommended cure by any Euro-American doctor for pretty much any illness would have been something along the lines of bloodletting or leeching. Uh, this is a time when medical science uh, to call it rudimentary, is being generous. And so Evans comes down with an illness here, and he opts not to go for one of these treatments. And in, in fact, he seeks out treatment from a traditional African healer who lives more than 20 miles away from Monticello. And so here's a man who was born in Virginia. He's never seen Africa. And this is true for most of the people who were enslaved during Jefferson's life at Monticello, many of them four or five generations removed from the continent from which they were taken. And yet, when Evans is ill, he reaches out to this traditional healer. And as this is someone who lives so far away, it means that if he knows about him, a lot of people know about this healer. And so he carries within him this memory of a traditional culture of a homeland that he left far behind. And this is just one piece of evidence that shows us that even 200 years ago, when the United States of America was in its infancy, there's already a thriving African-American culture that is contributing to the fabric of what this country will one day be and already was. So Brandon, then that is, a, of course, a story of Jupiter Evans uh, holding on to his own family story. Uh, what can you share us about uh, the family beyond uh, Jupiter Evans? Or, or can we uh, learn more about Jupiter Evans' uh, family story? We can. And at Monticello, one of the things that this institution has been engaging in for a very long time now, almost three decades, is an oral history project called the Getting Word African American Oral History Project, which started in 1993. And Getting Word has interviewed more than 200 descendants of people who were enslaved at Monticello, collected their stories, and we share them with the public. And anybody who just puts uh, Getting Word Monticello into a search engine will quickly find the web page, and they could learn more about the people who were enslaved here and their descendants. Jupiter Evans and Susan Evans, they had a granddaughter named Susan who was sold and ended up in the deep south state of Alabama where her family and her descendants still live today. And when the Getting Word Project and some of our researchers went down to interview some of the descendants in Alabama, we heard stories about their ancestors, about Jupiter and Susan Evans, stories that we had never heard before. And today we can share those with visitors who come to Monticello. So Evans, he held on to a tradition of his culture and his home, and his descendants hold on to a tradition of him, and that family survives. And as we start to, to wrap things up, Brandon, are, is there anything else you'd like to highlight uh, for us about Jupiter Evans' story? Monticello is a physical structure that in many ways has come to embody 
a representation of what this country means. And through Jefferson's designs, and he drew on so many architectural elements from around the world and world history, and in so doing, we have this building, this historic site, that for decades, many have seen as a monument to the ideals of liberty and freedom upon which our democracy is built. Monticello is so much more and can be viewed in so many different ways. And the physical structure itself is also a reminder of the enslaved people who labored here, of the indigenous people who came before. And in Jupiter Evans' case, for the hundreds of thousands of visitors who come to Monticello every year, for the millions more that look at pictures of this building on the internet, they should know that when they see those columns on the east portico of Monticello, Evans is the man who was responsible primarily for carving those columns with his hands. And when you look at this home and this historic site, this plantation, it is representative of all of those things that built America. But it's representative of all the things that built America. And that's a complex and tragic and inspiring and horrifying and beautiful thing. And I think Jupiter Evans' story, like so many human beings, it gives us that when we learn more about him. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, for your time and sharing Jupiter Evans' story with us today. Thank you. This has been another episode of Mountaintop History, a collaboration podcast between WTJU and the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. Join us for new episodes every two weeks on Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and the Virginia Audio Collective. To learn more about Monticello or to plan your next trip, visit us online at monticello.org.